This episode of Voices in Local Government is sponsored by the Cybersecurity Leadership Academy. This 12-week online program, offered by ICMA in partnership with the Professional Development Academy, is led by CISOs and thought leaders who deliver a proven framework and insights on leading and securing an organization's most important assets. Register at pdaleadership.com ICMA. Welcome to Voices in Local Government, an ICMA podcast. With me today are Param Itakari and Himant Desai. Um, Param is the Executive Director of the Cybersecurity Collaborative, a community of security executives and board chair of the Institute for Critical Infrastructure Technology, a leading cybersecurity think tank based in Washington, D.C. Hemant recently joined ICMA as Chief Information Officer and had the same role in local government with Guilford County, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's great to be here. Glad to be here, thank you. And for the audience, this is our first cybersecurity episode. We are planning on more with maybe a rotating cast of guests and experts. So if you have questions, suggestions on specific subtopics you want us to dive deeper into, or are even interested in participating as a guest yourself, please reach out on ICMA Connect. The website, anyway, you can get a hold of us. Uh, there'll be some more contact information on the podcast webpage. So let's get right into it, guys. Um, cybersecurity, the unique and difficult challenge local government and really all businesses face. There's no endpoint necessarily. There's no finish line. This is an ongoing task everyone has to kind of keep up with all the time. So just to start with, uh, if you could each give us your initial take on it and kind of the the quick version on on where you think this topic is with local government, what people are currently doing, what we could do a little bit better, um, and then we'll get into some more specifics. But Parham, please please go ahead and kick us off there. Great. Well, Madril, thanks again, and Hemant, it's great to be here with you. So I, I think in general, what we're seeing right now is a continued increase in the topic of cybersecurity and in, in the importance of cybersecurity as it relates to. Uh, local government, as well as just the private sector in general. Um, of course, everyone's aware of the significant rise in ransomware threats. I think that can be attributed to both this, uh, the impact of the pandemic and the, 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 the rapidly changing ecosystem that organizations are tasked with protecting. But just in general, if you take a step back even more plainly, there's more technology out there. Uh, organizations and local governments are reliant on increasing numbers of third parties to deliver services, all of whom are using technology that are oftentimes logically connecting into the network. And, and the adversaries are becoming more sophisticated in how they're exploiting vulnerabilities in our networks. And so all of this is just uh, compounding the challenge that we face, which is how do we take the limited resources that we have with respect to people and uh, money uh, and, and prioritize what we need to do to uh, improve the defenses uh, of our uh, local government organizations and, and all of our partners. And so it's, it's a very important topic uh, and I don't see that changing uh, anytime in the near future. Sure, and Hemant, you've been on both sides of it, uh, working on the local government. So you know, our audience might be people who were in your role as the chief information officer or the city manager themselves, senior department heads. So give us, give us your insight on being in that seat, in that hot seat. 
Oh, thank you again. I'm uh, glad to be here. And um, so one of the things, and I think to add to what Param said, Param brought very interesting points that as um, more and more uh, proliferation of different um, devices that people use now to connect, the um, and the fact that being in government agencies, you are always going to be more, um, there's going to be much more public scrutiny, if you will, on cybersecurity related incidents, right? Um, a lot of people may not know that equal number of Fortune 500 companies may also be impacted. So the so security awareness from cybersecurity perspective is is more of a incremental uh, growth in mindset. So in government agencies, as Param rightfully said, what I faced even when I was a county is that you always had limited budgets, uh, financial budgets, but also resource limitations on number of people that are going to be manning the store, if you will, of your security infrastructure. And so you can never keep up with the threats. And I think part of the challenge that I'm seeing and more and more uh, C-level executives in government agencies are going to be faced with this. That parameter will not change. We'll always be constrained in resources, if not financial also. So the challenge is how do you make sure that you strengthen the most important asset, which is the people that work in the organization? And the more awareness, and I know we're going to get to that shortly, uh, uh, we as IT uh, leadership can spread the awareness across multiple layers of uh, organizational assets, human assets, then I think um, the evolution of security infrastructure will change from bottom up. Because right now, a lot of organizations still unfortunately think that by beefing up the top layer, which is putting more appliances, hiring you know, consultants, which is important, uh, putting infrastructure in third parties' hand. Those are all good first and second measures. But the bottom line is um, your people in your organization and government agents are learning that, that the more you can spread the awareness, I think the better we can strengthen our security posture. Okay, so one phrase I've heard you both use before is layered security. If a city manager came to both of you and said, the basic stuff's there, we're, we're aware of this, we know we need to do better, but what's what's next? What is the highest priority in each of your mind? First of all, when it comes to layered security, I think the most important thing to remember is that there is no silver bullet to addressing security. And as you, uh, Joe, mentioned in your opening remarks, that this is a uh, continuous process. You don't do security once and then are good until next year. Uh, it's a it's a culture change and requires, uh, to Heaven's point, that security awareness and training, as well as technical and non-technical controls. I think if a local government or city, you know, city leader came to, to me and said, you know, how can I prioritize uh, given limited resources, whether it's human resources or budget, I think what you can do is first look at and ask, are you doing what we often refer to as you know, basic cyber hygiene? Uh, do you have uh, your patch management in place? Uh, do you have uh, good programs to manage uh, identity access management and, and following the principle of least privilege. Um, are you, you have kind of basic firewalls in place and very important as part of, I think, basic cyber hygiene is having a well thought out uh, security awareness and training program that is repeatedly engaging with the community and with the organization and really working to change the culture. I think once you have that down, 
then you can start to think about layering on more advanced capabilities. Uh, but depending on the requirements of your organization, there isn't one answer that fits all. But I think you really want to start with that the basic blocking and tackling in terms of cyber hygiene, making sure you have a security awareness training program, and then you can layer on additional capabilities that may be more uh, advanced. Um, I, I think there's a misconception out there that you need a lot of money to do security. Uh, it helps. It's all obviously very nice to have money. Uh, I don't want to um, negate the, the, the importance of financial support, but there is a lot of uh, impact that can be had on the security of an organization just by implementing policies and and governance and some basic things that that, that are available, I think, to uh, most organizations. I think, Hemant, Hemant, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think, given that you've played this role, I think he he touched on this. It's so important for the all the right stakeholders in an organization to collaborate. And so, you got to get the CIO, the, your 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 CTO, uh, your compliance people, your legal people, HR, uh, and of course all the uh, kind of elected officials. I mean, all these folks need to have a, have a role in this. Security can't just do it on its own. So part of it is just getting the right folks involved. Uh, absolutely. In fact, to, to piggyback off of that, Joe, uh, what Param said absolutely is so true that having a, a basic cybersecurity or cyber hygiene, as he mentioned, rightfully so, is just a starting point, right? That having a uh, principle of least privilege, um, you know, firewalls, um, MFA, multi-factor authentication, those are just uh, companies that don't already have those things are already way behind and more and more companies are already making those the high priority and they've already implemented those and they're on their way to getting that part taken care of. I think for me, what, what helped me the most when I was on the other side of Guilford County um, implementing these uh, cybersecurity measures is having a strong top level leadership at all levels. So, because as you know, in, in, in government agencies or even in businesses, I would say that would be true too, that our customers, so my customers in Guilford County are my internal departments, right? So th their day-to-day -day jobs cannot be impacted by what we in IT think, oh, you cannot do certain things because it's, it's not safe. It doesn't make sense to them because they've been always doing that before. So by just us saying it to them doesn't mean that it's going to be embraced. So oftentimes what I learned is, and, and more and more agencies I think are doing that, is leveraging internal resources. But again, I was privileged that I had top-down support from my county management, administration, all the way down, even up to the board of directors and board of commissioners. Bottom line is, you know, top level support, important, obviously, but leveraging other resources. So I was in, in, in a task with working with risk management. So making sure that you get your, get your risk management department involved to help you assess, you know, your cybersecurity or your risk over score, you know, how much are you willing to give up? And then you assess your risk and then start assigning, as Param Rifle said, appropriate resources, not just financial resources, but ongoing education. Top level support from county management downwards, but also making sure that you leverage partnership with other departmental stakeholders in spreading the cyber hygiene. And it's an, it's, it's an incremental process. It didn't happen overnight, even for us in, in Guilford County. As you keep increasing awareness, more and more department stakeholders will start uh, supporting the endeavor because they see that you're ultimately trying to protect 
the county assets, the citizens' assets. And I think ultimately the messaging and, and relaying that message on an ongoing basis made a big difference, certainly for me, in, in that evolutionary process of two or three year time frame to strengthen our security posture. And if I can add on to that, I think one of the, the, the keys to engaging senior leadership and getting their buy-in, it's really important that you're speaking in a language that they understand and talking to their priorities. At the end of the day, if the person, you know, whoever's listening right now in the audience, if you're an IT person or a security person or a risk person, your priorities and your focus is on something completely different than what most senior leadership is that you're there to take care of that for them. And so when you want to get buy-in from senior leadership, going to them and talking to them about the attack vector or the technical controls you want to put in place and how it'll, you know, protect endpoints and things that's not going to resonate. But if you, if you, if you schedule, for example, a a couple hours with the group and go through a, a simulation and say, uh, here is the consequences to our community if these systems get taken out, if this data gets stolen, if our systems get ransomware. Here are the repercussions on the organization. Here's the repercussions on you and how it'll impact you personally. Once you go through that and help them understand what this actually would look like, then you say, what, what will often happen is they'll say, gosh, what do we need to do to prevent this? And then you can say, well, what we need is, and in very non-technical terms, we need X, Y, and Z, and that, I think that's a very effective way to go about building that consensus and getting by, and it's communication and the way in which you communicate and what you communicate is critical uh, to be successful in this. Yeah, the you just said it, the communication between the leadership, city manager, whatever it might be, and the, the technical people, you, you can't, the technical side cannot assume that everyone else understands that language. It's important to start with the the whys and the motivating factors to, to get that leadership on board. But I, I guess I would take it a step further. So what would either of you say to, let's say a city manager is listening right now and they say, I believe it. I'm, I'm convinced. My CIO already convinced me. I'm trying to set a good example, but my staff, whether it's a hundred people or a few thousand people, there's still that segment who just view it like, Hey, that's IT's problem. I don't want to do this training. I don't want to do X, Y, or Z, because they're all busy trying to do their day-to-day job and their own responsibilities, uh, especially when there's a, a larger staff, it's hard to get 100%. It might be impossible. What do you recommend to them if, if that's the struggle? Like they, the manager already knows that this needs to happen, but they're just not, they're not seeing the movement on the, on the bigger staff buying in and taking it seriously. Yes, if I may. So one is very, very good question, Joe. Uh, and and we often face that even where I was uh, in my prior um, environment. So part of the challenge that we always face in IT is that you'll never get, as you say, 100% participation because people always say, well, you know, I, don't have to, I don't have time for the training or this is not relevant for me or or this is a nuisance. Or, so, or they click it, through it without really paying attention, which I may or may yes. not have done myself before. Yeah, so. uh, exactly. And so that happens to best of us and it can happen to even IT folks too. And it's happened to IT folks too in the past. The, the important thing is having a clear mandate from top that there are consequences of not following through the best practices, not consequences because you clicked on something 
uh, that you shouldn't have. There shouldn't be any penalty for mishaps, if you will. But there certainly should be a mandate of expectation that if and when that does happen and there's a training program in place, that there is a full support from top level that it'll be followed through uh, given reasonable time so that staff members don't feel that, you know what, this is just a nuisance or it's optional. I may take it if I have time because that's when it starts becoming more of, hey, you know what, training is just a formality. It's a checkbox for internal audit or for risk management, which is also important. But that's not what we're doing it for. We're doing it because it has a, it has consequences to a larger team, to the larger environment. So I think mandate from top down and then following up at the departmental level, at the each individual team level, implementing it. And then I rightfully say, communicating the why and, and, and making it more um, palatable in their language. Because... Oftentimes, and we're all guilty, and I'm guilty of that too, oftentimes in IT where we start talking and showing those bar charts of how many hacks have happened, that doesn't mean anything to end user because it's what's in it for me syndrome, which we all tune to, right? So we've got to speak in that term, show them the whys of here's what would happen in reality, and here's what has happened in reality with XYZ organization, and I think that helps. Yeah, and we've a seen lot, yeah. we've seen the headlines of local yes. governments or specific business with the ransomware, and it doesn't usually end well with those stories. Also, the the non leadership, non IT person maybe would do well to realize that it's not these scams or the, or the way the the bad guys we'll call them get in. It's not it's not like the old email scam with the you know the prince needs your help to get the money out it, that's like the joke from the late 90s it's it's much more sophisticated than that um complicated more complicated more versions of it and although the training is a hassle i think people could could justify that it i, I also think it kind of does a good job ex- explaining not just the what to do but here's what to look for and why it's important so Hemant, you also earlier you said a risk score. I, I wanted to get back to that a little a little bit. How is that implemented? How it's a hard thing because the success can't just be measured by oh we haven't had a massive incident. How does the security officer, the chief information officer, kind of measure progress or checkpoints as they go implementing more of this layered security and more of these priorities? How can the city manager who doesn't necessarily understand all the technicalities of it? understand if their team is doing a good job or not? So that, again, a very good question. So have, have a clear guideline of measurement. Um, so for example, um, having a clearly written down incident response or IIT, as we call it, uh, a plan, IRP plan, which has a clear guideline of what are some of the steps you're going to take if and when some incident were to happen. But you mentioned risk management. One of the things that we did was created literally um, a risk register, which listed all the different systems, not just hardware systems, but processes and systems that were either exposed, um, that could be potentially exposed to security, cybersecurity threats, 
and then we assigned a score, uh, assigned some type of a, a score that was a collaborative effort between departmental stakeholders and IT. And then we started measuring how implementing security postures or strengthening security postures improved the security score. So for example, in a specific department, not naming them, um, where they were more prone to being trigger happy and clicking on emails, right, or spams. So then we give them more education, what happens when that happens, and providing them a visual report of their progress over time and showing them that their systems, for example, if the systems include healthcare information, right? That how that information now has been protected because they did not do certain actions, which otherwise would have caused compromise of the healthcare data, for example. So giving them a visual measure, almost like coming back to what Param said, talking in their language and being more proactively communicative showing them actual measures. And in our case, what I meant by that is that literally we had a risk register with clearly defined measures within each department with their systems. So now I'm talking, if I'm talking to you and you are in public health, I'm showing you that your five systems had the following security threats in the last one month. And I show them, and so they say, wow, I didn't know that. I said, exactly. But we stopped that because you helped us participate in the overall process. So the risk scores were lower and lower, which means the security vulnerability decreased dramatically over a period of one or two years. And that's that's where it's not, the theoretical 100% is not the goal. It's just to lower the risk as much as possible. It's an incremental process, yep, yeah. Param, do you want to add anything to just the whole idea of, well, how do you measure, whether it's the internal team or even if it was like a consultant that a, a smaller community who doesn't have that knowledge at all maybe on staff? Yeah, absolutely. I think Hemant brought up some great points. I think a, just a different way of, of looking at it to piggyback off of what he said, developing developing a plan, you have to, you have to be able to have specific goals and measurable targets regardless of what it is, whether it's kind of the, the scenarios that Hemant described whether it's on securing the number of endpoints that you have, whether it's on doing a training and simulation uh, on certain cadences, essentially what, what an organization or what a local government wants to do is at this, at whenever they do this track planning, look at it and say, in the next year, here are our goals. We want to do a complete inventory of our endpoints and refresh that once a year. Uh, and then once we understand what our network looks like, then we want to um, ensure that we, you know, apply endpoint protection on X percentage or on the ones that are classified as highest risk. If if you first you first want to build out a plan based on your requirements, based on your resources, so you're not setting yourself up to fail. And I think you can you can in that plan then set milestones, whether they're percentages, metrics, date goals, probably a mix of all of the above. And then to systematically work it, and I think this goes back to Hannah, Joe, how you started the conversation. This is an iterative, iterative process. So when you're building out your security program, you're going to start, let's say, on year one with a certain amount of goals and a certain amount of resources. And in theory, what should happen is that every year then you're going to build on it and build on it and build on it. Hopefully part of that process and one of your first priorities is getting buy-in from different stakeholders. That should hopefully lead to additional resources 
it's unrealistic to think that if, if the listener out there is kind of has a nascent security program that you're going to accomplish a vast amount of things and, and, and processes and implementations in year one, even in year one and two. So make a plan, set some goals, maybe develop a three, four, five year plan and say what you want to accomplish each year and then go ahead and kind of slice it up, make it manageable, and then you can execute and measure against it, I think. But having that plan is really critical. In my line of work, you mentioned I, I work with a lot of chief information security officers and the ones who are very successful and the ones who seem to be making significant impact to their organizations, it all starts with their roadmap and their vision to how they want to prioritize their actions based on their resources and based on their risk and their environment and, and compliance and all those things. You build a plan and you execute against it. So um, you shouldn't go kind of willy-nilly at this. Just be very methodical. And I think it'll help in that, both the measurement and the, the overall success of the program. Putting myself in the hypothetical city manager shoes, is there a way, whether I'm talking to my current CIO or whatever, CISO, whatever the title is, versus maybe even trying to hire someone new because we're a mess and we need to start at the beginning. How can a manager judge that or understand real differences versus maybe too much of that technical talk? Because earlier you said that the key is communication and a, and a good, the good professional on the technical side knows how to speak to the manager in, in their own language. But if I'm the manager and I can't get that out of anyone, how do I translate? How do I even know what to do next if I'm not understanding what anyone's telling me? What, what would you recommend to that person if they asked you, hey, I, I don't understand any of, of the things these people are telling me. It seems like it seems like a sales job or just all hype. I don't know what's real. What, what's their next move? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I think, I think first of all, the, the first thing to do is, is that city manager should turn back around to whoever is tasked with security and articulate that and say, look, I am hearing everywhere that there are major digital threats that are that could be impacting us. Uh, I've asked you to report on it. I've asked you to manage it. And uh, I need you to change the way you're communicating. And I, I think that, that, that in and of itself, that ability to for the city manager to go back and just articulate that they are interested, this is a priority, but they're having trouble understanding it. They just need to work through that process together. I, I, I have utmost faith and confidence in, in the IT and security leaders in local government, but if there's a city manager listening and they're saying that to their person and they're not getting the response that they need and not getting it and they're doing coaching and everything, end of the day, this is serious stuff. And so then you have to make a decision of, is that the right person tasked with, you know, the security function? Do I need to bring, give it to a different person? Do I need to swap the rollout? But I, I think that if there's communication barriers, the, the city manager should take it back to that person and say, look, I, I need to understand better and maybe give them some guardrails to say, here's how you can explain it to me. Explain to me the risks, explain to me how it'll impact tax revenue. I, I know what, whatever they think and whatever the, 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 the priorities are, maybe be more prescriptive in what you're looking for. And then you'll get the data that'll align with you know, how it is that you can translate it to make better decisions. Okay. And I could flip that around. What if, what if the CIO is doing the most they can with what the resources, uh, financial and, and manpower otherwise, and their city manager is kind of not indifferent, but kind of just like, okay, well, I don't understand this, so that's what I hired you for, so go do it. But they're not, they're not maybe giving you that buy-in or support that him and you were describing earlier. How can the CIO role kind of navigate that with someone who ultimately is their boss, who you know maybe 
you are doing a good job of explaining it in real terms and not not the tech talk, but it's still not really making a dent or like really getting in there. How how would you recommend that the technical person kind of change a strategy or, or change their approach to try and get through to the city manager? Very good point. So I would say that about five to seven years ago, Joe, that used to be the norm in the sense that that scenario played out much more frequently few years ago because the support at the top level was a little less. Let's, let's say they were not as serious about cybersecurity because they truly felt that, oh, you know what? It's somebody else. It doesn't affect us. It won't affect us, right? Until it was my job to keep saying that in cybersecurity, in IT security, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And I kept saying that they never believed me, that it's not whether if we get compromised is when. So how do you minimize the risk, as I mentioned earlier, which begins with communication? But to come back to your question, if it's still happening, and maybe some organizations, smaller entities may still be facing the top level, um, maybe lack of support, what I would recommend is what, what I did, even when I was not getting full support, not intentionally, but because there was not much awareness seven years ago of that type of thread is building your foundation from bottom up. So if you have a good relationship with your stakeholders and coming back to what Param said, communicating at all levels, right? Which is what, you know, ultimately among other things, IT managers and directors job is not just to communicate at the topmost level, which is obviously important because he or she is your boss, but also building relationship at departmental and even staff levels to make sure that they trust you, they understand you, they know your message is meant for not just stopping people from doing their job, but from protecting the assets, the very assets that they are responsible for. And I think easier said than done, I'll be the first to confess, it didn't just happen overnight. It was an iterative process as we talked earlier that it took continuous effort on my part, but I would say full credit to my team. And I, I still remember when I first joined um, the county, uh, we had a team of one person in security, just one person and me, so two people, right? Uh, for staff and a county of half a million plus people. So we were not the only ones, other agencies had similar challenges. And then as awareness spread, the support came from top down and beefed up and, 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 and they're in much better shape now. So I think your question is well well formed that it may still exist where people don't have support, but it is still the IT director's job to build that foundation bottom up. Yeah. And there's as, what I'm hearing is there's no shortcut or, or magic sentence you can say to that city manager. It's just kind of the grind of earning the trust and earning the support and earning the, okay, well, not only are we taking this seriously, but we're actually going to start doing the action items to, to make it happen. All right. Well, I appreciate both of your time today. Again, this, this topic could go on for hours and hours. So we are planning on some follow-up episodes. Um, again, to the audience, you can send specific questions in on anything we covered today, anything you want us to cover in the future. If you're interested in participating yourself, we want to hear from a lot of different voices. The podcast page will have some additional resources, including the Cybersecurity Collaborative. So thanks for Parm's help with that. And Hemant, welcome to ICMA. We're happy to have you. And any you. any 
parting words of wisdom for the managers or IT people out there on on this topic, guys, before we sign off on this episode? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll chime in and Hamid, uh, you know, pass it to you. I think the most important thing is don't be intimidated and develop a plan, even if it's looking to make in- incremental, modest steps forward and just start to check things off the box. There's a lot of resources out there, a lot of free resources out there from CISA and DHS and FBI and groups like uh, the Cybersecurity Collaborative. So uh, take advantage of those uh, and, and reach out. The cybersecurity cl- uh, community is very supportive. And if you reach out to folks, even just people you meet on LinkedIn or maybe in your same space, in your community, find cyber experts wherever you are and say, look, I'm tasked with building the security program for my organization. Can we grab coffee and just talk about where to begin? Uh, don't, don't be afraid. Uh, you'll find a very supportive community out there that really understands the national security implications of what it is that you're doing and will want to help. Yes, I would certainly echo what Param said that, you know, follow the cybersecurity basic hygiene day-to-day stuff that um, cybersecurity professionals um, uh, have to do, but also make sure that you have a plan in place, like Param said, and then have have a, a strategy to implement the plan, but also reinforce cybersecurity awareness completely from top down and bottom up on a regular basis. Um, so I think if you keep doing that, keep maintaining your hygiene, uh, awareness training, and then building the bottom-up support, um, it's going to be iterative process. It's going to be evolutionary process. But at some point, you'll keep getting more and more uh, mature in your cybersecurity space. And hopefully at some point, there will be that uh, mix of uh, risk mitigation, risk avoidance, where you feel that you have at least some level of uh, cybersecurity uh, posture that you can live with, that you don't feel threatened on every single moment of uh, your daily uh, business workflow, if you will. All right. Well, thanks again, Hemet. I promise to take my next mandatory training more seriously instead of <laughs> multitasking during a meeting. I learned my lesson. And I have to admit, they got me. I I got. I think it was right before you joined, but I did get the the tester email. It was internal, but it was the fake test email, which in regular outlook is pretty easy to identify i feel like i'm good at that but i was on my phone after work hours just trying to catch up on email the three-year-old pulling on me asking me to play and of course i'm distracted and i see the note from hr and i click on it as soon as i as i'm clicking on it i'm like oh no click out too late they they got me so so we can all do better staff included it's not just the the top of the cybersecurity force or the city manager all, all the Local government staff need to do their part too. So thanks again, guys, um, for your knowledge today. And we'll be back with another episode in a few weeks. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Bye.